They seek him here. They seek him there. Those Frenchies seek him everywhere. Is he in heaven? Is he in hell? That damned elusive Pimpernel. Presenting Marius Goring, star of the motion picture Red Shoes, as Baroness Orch's immortal character, the Scarlet Pimpernel. are The Scarlet Pimpernel, starring Marius Goring as Sir Percy Blakeney. It was a sorry day for France when Paul Campon became a judge. As prosecutor for the Republic, he had been relentless and without mercy. As Judge Campon, his viciousness and cruelty soon became notorious and earned for him the name of the Butcher of Paris. Tony Dewhurst and I were interested to see him for ourselves. So in our disguise as citizens of the Republic, we went one day to the Palais de Justice. In the crowded courtroom, Carpon was passing sentence on a number of people already convicted. Jean Duvivier, you have been found guilty of the theft of a loaf of bread. Sentence, ten years. Child, Marie Duvivier, for receiving and consuming bread, well knowing it to have been stolen, five years. Jacques Lenoir, for obtaining money by false pretenses from an official of the Committee for Public Safety, twenty years. Henri Dalasia, for treasonable utterances against the Republic, death. Mind you, citizens, that any demonstration which may be interpreted as a criticism of this court's decisions is an offense against the Republic, punishable by law. So if you value your freedom, I would advise you to hold your tongue. Armand Maxine, you are guilty of resisting arrest and of wounding an officer of the Republic when in execution of his duty. The sentence is death. Pierre Latour, for stealing a horse and bridle. Death. I don't think I can stand much more of this, Bessie. I don't know. No, I don't know. Not that it's pleasant, is it? Don't get away from here soon. I'll do something desperate. Well, come on then. Let's go. Anyone sensitive to the temper of the people could feel their sullen anger, smoldering now, but likely at any moment to burst into flame. A flame that would be the funeral pyre of Judge Campbell. 
I guessed that when the explosion did come, it would be the students of the Sorbonne who would set it off. And I guessed her right. One day, Tony brought me the news. It's all arranged, Percy. What's arranged? A little surprise party for the butcher. Carpon, you mean? Yes, of course. Thursday morning, outside Notre Dame. He drives past on his way to the Palais de Justice. What's the plan? About 20 students to mingle with the crowd. Armed, I suppose. Naturally. On a given signal, as Comfort's carriage is passing, they'll attack. And then? Well, I imagine it'll be a scramble for the honor of being the first to shoot him. Tell me, Tony, how do you happen to know all this? Oh, I... I just heard. One doesn't just hear things like this. Well, I, I happen to know one of the students involved. And he told you? Yes. You're lying, Tony. Now, look here. Aren't you? Aren't you? Now, tell me the truth. But I've already told you. The whole truth. You're in this conspiracy, aren't you? You're part of it. Well, if you, if you must know. Yes, I, I happened to meet a couple of students a week or so ago, a little in. Yes, now, sure, now. And through them you met others, and through them others yet, and they all had the one idea, Carpo must die. That's right. And so you all put your heads together and began plotting and scheming. Right, because you could put it that way. What other way is there? Sorry, Tony, but it's no good. Well, how do you mean, no good? You can't do it. Who says I can't? I say you can't. Now, be reasonable, Bill. I know these students' plots. I've seen them before. They always fail because at the last minute someone talks too much. It won't happen this time. That remains to be seen. Anyway, you're going to have no part in it. Is that clear? You can't dictate to me like that. Oh, yes, I can. The League of the Scarlet Pimpernel isn't just a name, Tony. It's an active organization dedicated to a certain purpose. And as its leader, I have no intention of allowing my second-in-command to jeopardize his life unnecessarily. I tell you, there's no danger. No danger. Well, not much, anyway. I'm sorry, Tony, but the answer is no. Is that an order? You want to take it as one? Yes. Very well. If you insist on taking advantage of your authority... No, no, no it's not like that at all. If I have the wrong idea. I tell you what, um... It happened on Thursday morning, you say? Yes. Well, let's, uh, be there. Uh, uh, spectators. And if Carpool does get his just desserts, at least you'll have the satisfaction of having seen it. Now, how's that? A fair compromise? All right, Percy. You win. The Thursday was a public holiday. That was why the students had chosen it so that they could mingle with the crowds without arousing suspicion. About nine o'clock, Tony and I took up a position near Notre Dame and waited. There are some of the students now. Those three are talking together, straight ahead of us. There are two more, a few yards behind them. How about this group over on the left? I don't know who they are. Well, I can make a guess. What do you mean? Republican guards in civilian clothes. Stop, I may be wrong, but I can usually send them a mile off. If you ask me, those fellows over there on the right are more of them. That tall, dark man... I've seen him before. I believe I have, too. I got it. Remember the time you rescued me as I was being taken from Raw? Yes. And he was the officer in charge of my escort. Positive? I swear to you. Listen, he's not here by chance, nor the others. You think something's leaked out? It's obvious. Now, listen, Tony. We've got to get word to these students somehow. Warn them. Tell them to call it off. Think you can find their leader? He's down to the somewhere in the crowd. Come on, then. Let's find him. No. No, wait. What's the matter? Look. Compound carriage. Too late. It's passing them now. And there's the signal. As the students moved forward the attack, the guards put their disguises and fell upon them in overwhelming strength. From the first second, it was obvious they had no chance. Betsy, we've got to go and help them. You fool, stay here. There's nothing you or I can do. One student fought his way to the carriage, and as he lifted his pistol, the fire guard cut him down. That was the closest Carpour came to death that day. In two minutes, it was all over. But a deadly silence followed the clash of battle. A dozen or more students lay where they'd fallen. The rest had been disarmed and seized. You were right, Percy. All those brave young... Well, don't waste your pity on the dead. Save it for those who are still alive. Yes, heaven help them. Come on, they'll be combing the crowd soon. Let's get away from here. Four days later, it was announced that the survivors would stand their trial the following day for attempted assassination. Their judge, Paul Campo. 
Goring returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel. It was a great deal easier than we'd dared to hope. The following day in an inn near Campos house, Tony had the good fortune to get into conversation with a garrulous fellow who turned out to be the judge's footman. And within a few days, we had a fairly complete dossier on the man we had determined to kill. Age 53, married, no children. Address, Faubourg Saint-Honoré, parents both dead. Member of the new National Convention, 1792, voted in favor of the king's execution. When the Constitution was suspended and the Committee of Public Safety was formed, he became chief prosecutor for the Republic. Four months ago, this was followed by his elevation to the bench. How's that? Oh, quite a successful story. Yes. What about his associates, friends, and so on? Oh, on intimate terms with various judges, leading lawyers, and members of the Committee of Public Safety. Including our old enemy, Citizen Chauvelin? Yes. Excellent. Anything else? I don't think so. A little while ago, he was off the bench for a week. Said to have been ill. Mm, something to do with his heart, it was rumored. Heart? Yes, he gets occasional attacks, it seems. Now, oh, wager he had one after that affair outside Notre Dame. Apparently he did. His footman says he was in bed for three days after it. That's why the trials were delayed. Well, well. Friend of Chauvelin's. House guarded, weak heart. We should be able to formulate a plan out of all that. Let's put our thinking caps on. The following morning, as Judge Carpaul was at breakfast... Excuse me, Your Honor, this letter's just arrived. Hmm? How do you mean, just arrived? It was delivered, sir, at the front door. Hmm? Who by? By an urchin, sir. Well, why didn't you seize him and ask him where it came from? He didn't give me a chance, Your Honor. Hmm. Just pushed it into my hand and ran. All right, all right, can we go? Yes. Well, what is it, my dear? How should I know? I haven't even read it yet. I hope it is not another of those nasty, threatening letters. I shouldn't be surprised. Ah, I get so worried about you sometimes, Paul. And you are not Ah, well. Hmm. Yes, I thought. Ah, why do people write such things? Surely they know you are only doing your duty. Because the world's full of cranks, that's why. Ah. (laughs) Listen to this. (laughs) I have decided the world would be better without you, Judge Carpon. Be advised at midnight on Wednesday, you will die. Wednesday? But that is only five days from now. Signed. Oh, no. Why, that's that Englishman, isn't it? That terrible man who... Oh, Paul, I'm afraid. The following morning, Carl received another letter. It said, just to remind you, midnight, Wednesday. The morning after that, he got another. Remember, Wednesday, midnight. And the morning after that, yet another, which simply said, tomorrow, midnight. The same evening, Tony had some interesting news to report. 
We've done it, Bertie. We've got him thoroughly scared. Splendid. The footman says that when this morning's letter arrived, he was so upset he couldn't finish his breakfast. I hope it gave him acute indigestion. It seems Madame Crampon's been having hysterics all over the place for the last two days. Crampon packed her off this morning to stay with her sister in song. Well, that's a relief anyway. Much better for her to be out of the way when the time comes. How about Crampon himself? Well, during a midday adjournment, of course, he called on Chauvelin. Spent almost an hour with him. I wonder why. Well, I don't know, of course, but I can guess. Oh? This afternoon, the guard outside Crampon's house was doubled. I've got workmen spiking the walls, and there's a guard room at the front gate. He must be scared. Percy, I, I don't need to tell you there's no one on earth who wants to see Compton suffer his just desserts more than I do. But are you quite sure everything's going to be all right? My dear fellow, we've been over the plan in detail a dozen times. Yes, I know, but... Well, it seems to me there's a very considerable element of risk. I grant you, if things go wrong, there may be a certain slight danger. I don't see why you should have to take the whole burden on. If only there was some way I could share it. But there's not. It has to be a one-man job, Tony. Yes, I suppose you're right. Wednesday night. That morning, Campon had received his final letter of warning. It had consisted simply of one word. Midnight. Now it was eight o'clock, and the judge sat alone in his library, quaking with fear, a loaded blunderbuss across his knees. Huh? Who is it? Capitaine, they quit here, Your Honor. Pass well. Stop, conduit. All right. I'll unlock the door. Come in, Captain. Well? Take the report, sir. Everything is in order. Uh, your men are patrolling the grounds? Yes, sir. Twelve of them. Uh, if they see anything suspicious, they have orders to shoot first and ask questions later. Uh, very good, sir. What's the time? 11.50, sir. Another ten minutes. Damn this, man. Don't keep reminding me. Oh, yes, sir. You did ask. Oh, yes, sir, I did. Sir, I'm sorry. My nerves are a bit on edge. Oh, that is all right, sir. No need to be nervy, you know, sir. There's not the slightest possible chance. You've already said that 50 times. Let's have another glass of wine. If you don't mind, sir. On duty, you know. Oh, very well. Please, sir. Your mouth scruples don't harm to the disapproval of me. Have you another eye? Certainly not, sir. Who's that? Sergeant of the guard, sir. Ah, what do you want, Sergeant? Make the report, sir. Citizen Chauvin is here. Chauvin? Tell him to go away. Judge your crampon will see no one. No, no. Wait. Uh, he may have news. Let him in, Captain. You think it's wise, sir? Well, you don't think he's in the plot, do you? Well, of course not, sir, but anyway. Well, let him in. Very good, sir. Come in, citizen. Thank you. Right here, crampon. I've been worried about you all night. Thinking what you must be going through here. The suspense. The uncertainty. Terrible. It hasn't been the most pleasant experience uh, pleasant the evening of my life. I, I must admit. So I thought. As a gesture of friendship, it was up to me to share the last few vital minutes with you. Then you don't bring news of any kind? The news? Why not? I, I, I thought perhaps knowing the people in our way so well. As a matter of fact, we did get a vague report that he was planning to force his way in here disguised as myself. Disguised as you? It is an old trick of his, you know. Quite effective sometimes. Must be as clever as a devil. Oh, he's no one's fool, is the Pimpernel. Still, uh, not the slightest need to worry. For one thing, it wasn't what you would call a reliable report. And for another, if by any chance it is true, well, forewarned is forearmed, eh? Oh, Gladys. 
kind of you to have called, citizen. No, not at all, my dear fellow. Least I could do. Uh, well, only a couple of minutes to go now, eh? Soon it will be all over. Yes, thank goodness. Well, would you care for a, a glass of wine? Just a small one, thank you. Uh, you won't change your mind, Captain. Well, if you insist, sir. Can it be this time? Who's there? Sergeant of the guard, sir. Go away, don't bother us. I thought you might like to know, sir. We're holding a man at the guard room. Claims he's citizen Chauvin, sir. What? So the report was right. Don't. Don't open the door. Uh, nonsense. Uh, listen to me, Sergeant. Yes, sir. I have good reason to believe a man passing himself off as me is, in fact, the Scarlet Pimpernel. You don't say, sir. Have you put him under arrest? Sir. No, sir. I, I, I was sort of baffled, sir. I, I mean, you coming and then him. Then go back. Do so at once. Let him seized and securely bound. That as you value your life, do not let him slip through your fingers, understand? That's all right, sir. We will take care of him. I shall wait here with Judge Carlton and Captain Levitrier until midnight struck. Then I'll join you and take charge. Off you go now. Very good, sir. <laughs> so we have got him at last. I have always said one day sooner or later he would overplay his hand. I can't believe he tries such a thing. My dear fellow, the Pimpernel will try anything. Lucky I decided to come along, eh? I, I might even have admitted him. Exactly. And suspecting nothing, you would have been completely at his mercy. No, he doesn't bear thinking about. Well, no need to worry now, sir. There it goes. Midnight. Midnight. And all is well. You are still alive, and your enemy is safely hors de combat in the guard room. It's hard to realize it's all over somehow. <laughs> come, come, my dear fellow. This calls for a toast. <laughs> Drinks already poured, eh? Splendid. Allow me. Yours, Captain. Oh, thank you, sir. And yours, Confort. Ah, thank you. To the glory of the Republic and the confounding of her enemies. The Republic. The Republic. <laughs> you find the wine to your liking, Judge Confort? Yes, I. Not uh, just a little bitter? <laughs> what do you mean? Permit me to present myself. The Scarlet Pimpernel. What? Oh, no, you don't, Captain. This was loaded. Up with your hands. The wine. The wine. Not even the slightest trace of bitterness, Judge Carpel. I'm disappointed. <laughs> you poisoned me. I said midnight. You never. <laughs> Stay where you are, Captain. But he may be dying. He is dead. You'll pay for this. I dare say we'll all pay for lots of things on the day of judgment. Now, Captain, if you don't want your day of judgment to come a little sooner than expected, you'll do exactly as you're told. In a moment, we walk out of this room and out of this house together. You tell the sergeant we've urgent business, and that we return in five minutes to interrogate the Pimpernel. This pistol will be under my cloak, pointing directly at your heart. You understand? Yes. I... I understand. Right. Let's go. returns as the Scarlet Pimpernel.
Peter Goring as the Scarlet Pimpernel. Well, we walked straight past the guardroom, a little thousand surprise, I might say. And a few hundred yards away, I clumped Captain Levitre over the head with my pistol butt, just hard enough to put him to sleep for a while. And, uh, well, here I am. I'm afraid it must have been an awkward moment when you learned that the real Chauvelin had arrived, eh? No, not at all. I knew he'd have no chance of proving his identity in the couple of minutes that were left. After that, it didn't matter. One thing I still don't quite understand, Blakeney. What's that? You didn't actually poison his wine at all. You simply relied on the fact that the shock of believing he'd been poisoned would be too much for a man with a weak heart. Yes. Well, suppose it hadn't worked out that way. <laughs> <laughs> Adventures of the Scarlet Pimpernel, starring Marius Goring, is produced by Harry Allen Towers.